for live music presents Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And that's the music of Zipper Club. Who, Zipper Club. Who we found thanks to the Shaky Knees Music Festival, which we're going to talk about the Shaky Knees Festival right now. And we're going to talk about Zipper Club a bunch because they are our feature this episode. Isn't that right, Seth? That is right. That is absolutely right, Rob. I'm glad you're, you're with it today. And I love that um, Zipper Club themselves mentions that early in the interview that they like they're excited to be at this festival to hear people who really play their instruments. People who really, really want to listen to the music. Uh, it was nice to hear them say that about our hometown festival here. Yeah, absolutely. They hit the, they hit the points. I'm not. We can reiterate them all over the place, but they definitely hit the points to, of what makes Shaky Knee such a great event. I mean, it really is from the lineup. I mean, folks, if you don't know the lineup from this year, I'm just going to read you a couple of them. Well, before you move to the to the headliners, one of the things I like about Shaky Knees and it reminds me of Bonnaroo, really, in a way, is that even at one o'clock in the afternoon, you can Zipper Club's an example of that. They played at one o'clock in the afternoon, an incredible band, Great Peacock. I'll talk more about Sunday, but Great Peacock played at one in the afternoon Sunday, and a member of my Morning Jacket signed with them. I mean, there's just really high level music throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, which what read the headliners, man. All right, you're re- are you ready? What Rob? impressed you? Well, I mean, headliners wise. Uh, the shows from top billing headliners down to the bottom billing, all good. And that's 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 the sure. point. But L C D sound system's a treat. They don't that play much. That was a treat. And they played great s- live act. It's it wasn't as good as seeing them at the t- Tabernacle a few years ago, but it was still just killer. Oh, they they were they they made a dance party out there. Yeah, they know how to work a room and fill it with energy and, you know, keep it interesting and they're just a really, really, really good band. Other uh, acts include Cage the Elephant, Pixies, Portugal the Man, and I saw the Portugal the Man late night show which uh, it was just in a small venue called Terminal West, which is, I mean, not a small venue, but it's under a thousand person. And wow, like that, that was one of the best shows I've seen all year. They were one of the talks of the weekend. I didn't get to see them, but they definitely were, you know, around the media room, everybody was a buzz about Portugal Demand. Yeah. I, I heard them a little bit from afar, but I didn't get to see them. I saw Cage. Mm-hmm. And then who was the headline that night? On um, Cage and I was LCD. The next night yes. was the XX. Uh, you know what? I did not see them, but earlier I saw Sylvan Esso who I'm really glad to have found. They're from mm-hmm. Durham, North Carolina, too, much like John Shane mm-hmm. and much like the uh, the Timeless Music Podcast. Well, we'll have to talk about that another time. So uh, No, 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 but wait, it's a duo, and uh, the, the woman, uh, totally energetic, running around singing, really, really catchy stuff, and, and the other guy's playing drums and, and doing you know electronic mm-hmm. stuff. It really, dude. No, they're great. They, really good set. No, they're, they're great. We, well, we, I, I saw them. The first time I saw them exposed to them was at One Big Holiday, My Morning Jackets. Uh, oh, really? They yes, played that? They did. And I didn't know that. she came out a couple times, I think, but she came out and did a Phone Went West into like a Bob Marley tune back into Phone. Yeah, nice. it was, it's, it's, it's highly, highly, I recommend She it has unbelievable energy. The two of them were just, I mean, it's, in, you know, it's one of those things you know when these artists when they're really 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 into it you, you can't help but get into it go there with them you know they, they they just drag you right along they drag you right into their muse yeah and then uh moon taxi had a a stellar show uh you know kind of a hometown thing kind of kind of you know there's a lot of Atlanta and athens they're so festival oiled at this point you know what i mean well they they work the crowd my son was rocking to uh, morocco on that one <laughs> <laughs> but they did they 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 had they had their moments like you know I mean, there's certain things they did where they really worked the Atlanta crowd and got them in a frenzy. And if you are a Moon Taxi fan, we did have an episode with them and with Mike from Lotus. We also That was the last time we interviewed Colonel Bruce Hampton. He's on that episode. Check it out. Although that was just kind of an impromptu bus thing. I'd love to sit down 
with Spencer in particular uh, someday, Seth. Can we can we maybe do that? Yeah, absolutely. You know that that that's uh... Spencer's not not the front man. That's that's Troy Tulowitzki. Just kidding, Trevor Turndrop. But I, I call him Troy Tulowitzki. That's for baseball fans. But anyway, and Spencer's the more quiet with Rob Turner. Spencer's the quiet, reserved one, and he kind of often they do interviews as a group, and he's very you know reserved. And I I'd, I'd, I'd like to crack open that egg, see what's going on there. You know, he writes a lot of their stuff, Seth. Well, we'll have to get into that. Uh, going on with the Saturday lineup, though, they had the Revivalists, they had the Mari- Mariachi El Bronx, the Record Company, Shovels and Rope, which a lot of people were excited to Shovels and Rope. Um, Shovels I and Rope, very engaging, but not not ne- not always the best at that for a festival, but still wonderful music, really nice stuff. And then we talk about the Doctor, Doctor Dog. <sighs> They're still knocking knocking it out of the park, those guys. Yeah, they really are. And then, and then that leads us to Sunday, which was... Uh, Sunday was my big day. It was the day that I was unable. I had a wedding that... No, was that the wedding day? No, that was a different day. Anyway, Sunday. I hit the ground oh, wait, running. No, like, Sunday was Mother's Day. That's why. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. My mom's dead, so I was free to play. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's been, so tw- it's been Sunday 25 years. No, but hey, you know, it started right Shins, away. Ryan Adams. I mean, the, well, the, Sunday's here, here. lineup was the stronger... Can you go with me here? Uh, I was the one who was there. Why don't you let me take the lead here, fine. cowboy? I started with Great Peacock, who did a couple songs Great Peacock. that are going to be on the new album that I haven't heard yet. And they had a guest well, show up. Rattlesnake, remember, when they played Candler Park Festival last year, Rattlesnake was like their new tune. That yeah, they yeah. Well, now it's like a fixture in this set. It's fleshed out big time, and that's the song Tom Blankenship of My Morning Jacket sat in on. Tom's been recording with them. Mm-hmm. Well, he was supposed to... Here's a little backstory. So Tom was just kind of session help coming in to lay some bass tracks down for like one song but but wait. he liked it so much does that he, he live in nashville he does okay so he he came back into the studio and and pretty much laid down all the tracks from what i understand if not all then a quite a, a large majority and my morning jacket played last year's shaking knees but tom came down you know he wasn't playing with anyone else so for him to perf- to, to come i think down, it's great but i'm not surprised cool. do you know why why those guys write great Great songs, man. Yeah, they do. Great Peacock really does. If you haven't listened to them, I strongly suggest that you press pause. Go but they listen. Were, and they come were back. just they were just the appetizer Sunday, dude. Sunday was ridiculous. That was the day because we had interviews Friday and Saturday, so it was kind of hard to get to see music. But Sunday we, we were done, so I just went stage to stage. I was solo most of the day, hung out with a few folks here and there. But you know how I'm at festivals. I like to get to the other day. I don't like to. I don't want to be that laggard behind. He travels the fastest. Who travels alone? You know what I'm saying. I want to see the music, especially when I'm reporting back on a dopey podcast like this. Well, why don't you report? St. Motel. Have you heard of them? First of all, this is going to be the backdrop of the year. I'm telling you right now. I almost forgot to look at the band at points. Really good backdrop. Um, but Can you elaborate also- on that? You're, you're kind of being... It was, it's a, a lovely woman. Okay, there and you go. it was well colored, and um, they had analog, you know, old school kind of like Anal TVs. Analog? No, like my analog. Uh, like what the, the hell are you talking about, Rob? Like the TV in the other room there. They had TVs like like that uh, all over the stage. Okay, okay. Which is funny because the Saint Mo Television is their new CD. But it's like, um, you know, a lot of media, a lot of crazy. The light show was not your normal thing. You know, there was the TVs were being worked mm-hmm. in and stuff like that. Very high energy, very visually engaging. Um, I even sang along with a couple of the songs and I hadn't heard. You know what I mean? Some bands can do the Pete Seeger thing can just kind of hook you. Even though you don't know the songs, they get you singing. You know, Pete Seeger was the king of that. And these guys, these guys did a little. They had a little Pete Seeger in them. Hey, <laughs> I got all caught up in it. And by the way, you know, how I'm always talking about the Cold War kids. Yes. Wait, uh, no, you you are? 
I always stick them in uh, you between know. Grateful Dead and Humphreys McGee. That's pretty much all I ever hear you talk well, about. Well, there's a guy, and I might want to interview him. So I, I know I want to interview him. We might try someday to interview Lars. Lars. I believe it's Stalfors. Lars Stalfors. If I'm mispronouncing, I'm so sorry. But he's a producer who's worked with Cold War Kids, who also has worked with um, St. Motel. Now, we tried to get Hamilton Lighthouser. It's Lighthouser from The Walkmen. Yep. But um, we weren't able to. But I got to see some of his set. Go ahead, Seth. Did you see J. Rodney Waltson? Dude, that guy. In the is, business. He has this crazy leopard cape. He plays piano and guitar. Band is like big energy, but he is the he is the focal point. You can't take your eyes off him. Mm-hmm. He's got like a, a an Alice Cooper like presence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, music wise, uh, the thing about shaking these folks is that it's this is this was its fifth year, and it's gone. This is now it's fi- found its home. The first three years, it moved to a different location each year. Last year, landing at Centennial Olympic Park in the heart of downtown Atlanta, and they came back this year, and and they made a lot of improvements to the site and how they how they had it set up compared to last year. I mean, Rob, you were talking about where Great Peacock, where where they played, which is like the the band shell, which is folks again, it's a small band shell that's right. kind we of a permanent structure. You and I went back by there. Where they just do a couple the ago. city like Friday night, Friday afternoon lunch series, right. like, things like that. It's sort of a permanent uh, site now. Yes. But, it's nicely done. But you, you felt like, I mean, this maybe area holds, what, 500 people, something like that? But yeah, it was at least half full. I, I was surprised. I mean, the, the seated area. The, I was on the floor in the sun, but people were kind of avoiding that. But, this, but the seated, the stone area around it was full. So I would call that half full. And the dance floor is kind of open, but the seats are pretty full. Mm-hmm. Half full. Yeah. Not half empty. I'm also an optimist, Seth. So half full. So it was nice to see that Shaking News took... Uh, Took their festival forward and made made the improvements that they did. So we're only halfway through my Sunday. War Paint. Have you heard of War Paint? It's a band of ladies. They do hard driving rock and roll, but they also can do more sensitive and moving and and kind of you know chill stuff and do it well. And their fans, another listening. I'm seeing more th- fan bases that listen to their bands. Well, that's the th- that's the point though. If you look at this lineup, Shaking Knees is on the pulse for this sort of stuff. They're not you know. There's not a lot of filler. It's all really, really, really good bands. And the thing also about the crowd, you're, you're, you know, it's not like a crowd that's just there to get wasted or there, you know, they're all really there for the music and they're diehards for these bands. It's, um, it's an educated listenership. And Warpaint's someone that I'd only seen on, you know, some of these webcasts. I think Bonnaroo and maybe one other Bonnaroo. festival. They're Warpaint, Warpaint.com, probably because Warpaint's a common name. They're doing a big tour mm. this fall. They got an album heads up out. They're, they're a really good band. If uh, you might want to check them out, Bleachers is uh, um, that guy um, Jack from Steel Train, Jack Antonoff. Oh yeah, this is his band. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. Steel Train. They had the ladies singing on, sing along, but Bleachers did. Um, and you know what they did? They came out. And there was there's sound bleed issues. Any festival, yeah, that, especially that the is, a festival that size. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some points, there were some spots where it's just like, yeah, that's no. But not here's what work, the Bleachers but. did. The Bleachers had the most fun with it because Third Eye Blind was playing Jumper, mm-hmm. so Bleachers came out and just started jamming along with it, kind of low key. Yeah, and people were cracking up. People had a good time with that, and then they just launched another set. That's good. I like that. I had to miss the shins, dude. Why? Because I didn't want to leave. That the bleachers were on the were on the Ryan Adams stage, so I kept moving up, moving up, and I was really the closest I was all weekend. Well, except for early in the day when they're sparse, you know. But mm-hmm. I got right, right up front for Ryan Adams for a fantastic set. I know. Um, well, he opened with "Do You Still Love Me," and the crowd was singing. A lot of these sing-alongs are really good. <laughs> Jakey, you got up. 
people sing alongs can annoy me, Seth. But when people sing along well, is that why you don't see the Lumineers? It can be. Um, I'm not big on them, but I, I would go see them. Is that a big sing along show? I mean, yeah. I think I think people like to sing to them, yeah. But he did he did um, "Let It Ride," "Magnolia Mountain," and "Shake Down on Ninth Street." Three songs I consider part of the Grateful Dead over now, because they've been covered by Phil and Ryan sung them with Phil and all that. But also "Doomsday," "Outbound Train," and he has a song called "New York, New York" that mm-hmm. freaking brought the house down. It was awesome. Yeah, I would I have enjoyed. I really would have enjoyed seeing that set. But like I said, it was Mother's Day, and you know, big shout out to the mothers out there. He had a rocking band. I think it was a quintet. The lead guitarist was really good, really sharp tone, and he, he you know, he took a few leads. And no flash photography. Phoenix made us wait, but then paid off. Phoenix is great. I, I, I was wondering if I haven't they were, seen them in a couple of years. Neither did I, and I was like, and, and I'd heard that they were fading, and I was like, well, are they really a headliner? And pff, they were fantastic. Their new record is. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, it's spelled T-I-A-M-O. Check it out. They're on a big tour. Uh, we kind of glossed over one of the bands. I, well, I, yeah, I want to oh, give Rob, a shout-out. Well, well, before you give that shout-out, I want to welcome back everyone who uh, didn't press pause and went and listened to the Great, Pe- uh, Great Peacock song, and now we're back, so thank oh. you. Sorry you didn't guys press pause. You can always go back now and, and catch Seth's up. Seth's just figuring these things out. Yeah. But they are, uh, <laughs> aren't they good guys? That was Blunt and Andrew. Good dudes. Fun interview. Hamilton uh, Lighthouser, if you're a fan of the Walkman, it, it, first of all, the CD's wonderful. It, it's hard to replicate what his CD did live. You know what I mean? Because they do crap with his vocals. It's awesome. They move them around in your head and stuff. So if you're a Walkman fan, at least check out the CD. He's going on a big tour, like a big month-long thing in mid, mid-October to mid-November, playing Turner Hall Ballroom in Milwaukee. Oh, Rob Set. Turner. You must love that. Or is it Turner Hall Ballroom or is it Turner Hall Ballroom? What do you think? It's October 24th. But anyways, he's there on tour with Courtney Marie Anders. I've heard that name, but I'm not sure from where. Courtney Marie Anders touring with Hamilton. That was my Sunday, dude. It was awesome. Back and forth. I, I didn't stay till the end of Phoenix, I'll be honest. At that point, I was getting tired. I'm a, you know, I, I'm an elderly gentleman. So. And I, I think our, our listeners are probably getting tired of us rambling about all these bands. And they're okay, really well, here Zipper to Club's listen to the Zipper one that Club, sat down. Right? We, we, we got to talk with Main Squeeze. That'll be out in a few weeks. Oh, we also got to see Main Squeeze in London Soul's late night oh, show. That was a fun one. Very fun Although one. the room was really loud. Listen, I mean, the, just didn't give the... It wasn't... It, it wasn't right for the band. And I encountered some rude people up front too, but that, that's okay. The band, the band can help out. So the, the squeeze is just awesome. Yeah, they're such a. Well, we'll talk about them in their episode. But we they will. are such a great band, such great energy. And London Souls, who are a duo now. Duo. What Did a they, weren't they a trio for a while. I don't know. I first saw them at Mountain Jam a long time ago. Well, I, I know they're not a there. solo because then it would be London Soul. <laughs> uh, they, they put out some energy too. But anyway, Zipper Clubs, who we spoke with. We really had a fun conversation, and I think uh, I want to thank them if they are listening. They uh, they had a very heavy press day after their set, so they did their set, probably like two or three interviews, and they and they you know they kind of showed up and they were like, all right, let's let's you know let's do this thing, and um, but they warmed up. You Rob, good job on asking questions. You really got to the root of some stuff. And thank um, you. It's Mason James from. Um Cerebral Ballsy, kind of a, a punk thing. And then Lizzie Charlie, who's more of an art, artsy kind of singer-songwriter. Um, really cool stuff. And um, they've put together this band. They've worked with James Eha, who Smashing Pumpkin fans should know. And we, we do get into talking a little Smashing Pumpkins. Right, Seth? Right. And Damar, the drummer, also sat down with us. And we had a good old talk there, Seth. Now, I did a, well, we're going to go right in the interview now, but at the end of the, uh, and during the outro, I'll first, um, I'll tell a classic 
uh, Rob goof up that I did after shortly after this interview. Let's save that for after Seth. And we had another festival. Let's talk uh, briefly. Yes, about I want to. We're just finishing up the Candle Park Music Festival here. We'll talk more about it down the road. But some initial impressions. Oh yeah, we we I have about three or four things I want to say. But let's hold off. As you said, Seth, we've been babbling. So let's let's go to us babbling where mostly other people are babbling and not us. So we're sitting here with Zipper Club, Seth, and, and the way I, since we have them here to correct me if I'm wrong, the way I would describe their music is what happens when you have the sophistication of fine art meeting the raw passion of punk, and you throw in a little of the um, synth pop, and then you have Zipper Club. That was like been the already. most, yeah. yeah. I like this guy. Thank you. Most well-spoken dude all day. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. It's been a rough day. No, <laughs> no, you're just so eloquent with words, my guy. Uh, that's the one thing he's elegant about. Uh, anything else? It's uh, well, Le- Lizzie put it a, a better way, perhaps. Ele- eloquent, but maybe elegant as well. A secret society of like-minded boom, boom. people. Ooh, right? yes, yes, yes. Expound upon that, Lizzie. Well, <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> the yeah, but the, you come, from, but you're coming from disparate elements, right? Yes, like um. Cerebral Ballsy that Mason's coming from was a very successful hardcore punk band. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to know to be a punk uh, expert, but I will say, even though I'm a fan of Yes and uh, all these like prog that. rock bands of yeah. the '70s, yeah. I do respect the importance that punk grounded rock at that time as well. Mm-hmm. The, the get back to to earth kind of just three chords and the truth kind of thing, right? Oh yeah, I like that energy, energy man. Point. Yeah. But you're wearing a Mike Watt tee. <laughs> yeah, Mike Watt. <laughs> Who, like yourself, there is an analogy. He came from the punk world and then ex- went off more to his songwriting. Do you feel a kismet with Mike Watt at all? Oh, dude, History Lesson Part 2 is just like, is gospel. It's, that's, that's the bread and butter. Punk is the jump off for music, I think. I mean, it, punk is, hey, I care about music. I, I have a shit ton of energy and I'm a confused teenager. How do I, how do I, explode this into the world in whatever form it takes. And uh, I think that's what is so awesome about punk is it's raw, it's energy, it's feeling, and it's people that care. It's people that legitimately care, no matter what pretenses aside and stupid image and all that bullshit, like, whatever. It's about caring about what you do and trying to, like, express that. And if you're angry, which people had a right to be angry in the 70s and 80s, and they and do right. now. And renewal. Sure. And that's yeah. why it's relevant today, is because it speaks to where, you know, it's so much larger than just music. So I think that's the coolest thing about punk, is that it is, 
a stepping stone to go and explore. And for me, it was the foundation where I got into music and performing. And it's, you know, I mean, you can play a show. You can, you can mess up. You can play the wrong chords. It's so distorted. People don't know half the time. And it's a great, it's a great barrier to entry. So I think a lot of people have punk as the barrier to entry. But then from there, you can expand. And we brought in different instruments, different all sorts of stuff. And, and to indicate how successful the band was, Zane Lowe, who's a legendary BBC DJ, played you all the time, right? Yeah, we're just headed over to the UK, uh, actually, tomorrow. And hmm. so we're going to... With this With this, with this, with this project. Yeah. yeah. And Excellent. So, yeah. I mean, the BBC was great for us. I just told this other story earlier. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were being interviewed and BBC has this like policy where, you know, they, they're not very into... Well, they have to appeal to the entire masses. And so we had a caller come in and they were not very hyped on our band name at the time. And so it was this old lady. And yeah, it, uh, you know... It, it definitely caused some issues. So we were we were definitely pushing the boundary of BBC, but definitely very appreciative of the love they gave us. But before we get to the name, do, do the Cerebral fans, or is there some anger that you've bailed? Oh, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure I pissed off people, and I think that if you're not pissing off people, you're not doing it right. Mm. You're not pissing off people. You're not. Punk <laughs> I mean, it's not like no, but I mean, and if you if you want to stay in that genre and stay stay it gets you can get pigeonholed in that genre and it can become mundane and if you try to explore new boundaries or push the boundaries then it becomes then you're not punk anymore and so i feel like inevitably that system it leads people to break away and so yeah i'm not doing punk music and i wouldn't call it punk music but that's my backbone that's where it stems from but i think that that you know you got to start somewhere and uh and then you take it from there Here's one of the many amazing things about this band, Seth. And I gotta know how this happened. First tour, <laughs> opening for Tears for Fears, I think on the reunion tour, too. Wasn't it a reunion tour of was sorts? It a reunion I think tour? I think it was. I, mean, I know it was a winery tour. There was a lot of wine <laughs> oh, you hit some wineries, did you? Yeah. That's my kind of tour. It was tour. your tour, yeah. yeah. You could sell CDs. <laughs> On a winery show. You can sell t shirts. How, how did that happen? Is that management? That, that's a killer gig. It ended up being super organic, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, Damar's super close with the drummer in the band now. Yeah. We ended Shout up playing with Kurt from, from Tears for Fears. Fears at Coachella. So oh. it ended up being, when you go on the road and you like, and you get to vibe with like legit musicians that are on the caliber of Tears Legends. for Fears, you just kind of, like all, like all hail, you know? <laughs> like just like you just. Hard not to be that way. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. I mean, we were definitely kind of, you know, we're, we're not normally starstruck. But it was just like, oh, yo, I respect. Going, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. But then at the, like, and then it got to the point where you're just chilling backstage and they're just, you know, just having drinks with the guys. And it's, it's pretty rad. They and, fart and like girls. everyone else. It's crazy. Their shit doesn't stink, though. <laughs> you, you checked, huh? Their shit doesn't it's weird. Stink. Our shit didn't like stink that. either when we were on tour with them, but as soon as we got off tour with them, it's just... <laughs> Bring out the matches. Hey, we're in Atlanta. Everybody's poo-poo smells like roses here. True. That's right. Shout out to Outkast. <laughs> Andre is actually going to be here in about an hour or... Don't play with me. Okay, fine. Uh, 3,000 hours. Uh, okay. We're getting Stacks. like little boy. And he's coming here reluctantly. <laughs> Um, so you guys have identified Talk Talk and New Order as big mm -hmm. influences on you, but today yes. you kind of reminded me of Duran Duran actually, because you did a song that Mason at the end uh, identified as a new one, and you uh, apologetically, which I kind of liked that 
song because when I saw Duran Duran, they were like a synth pop band that also had a raw feel to them. They had Warren Cookerill with them, and it wasn't all about being totally precise. It was about feeling, which that can be the knock on synth bands that it's a recital. Totally. I like that you guys are in the moment, and even though you're not playing solos, it's more about textured guitar. I mean, I was really completely drawn in by that. I mean, don't don't well, you then- feel? Go ahead. I can't wait to play it for you right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's what he won't like it. <laughs> even like in its in its like a oh, whatever man. happened on stage there, like it's still such a fun song to play. It's What's it called? Great. It's called Acres. It's called Acres. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely. I mean, that's the cool thing about um, the way we've been re- releasing the record is we've kind of been slowly dribbling out tracks, but it definitely stemmed from a lot more of a guitar bass sound, and uh, and so that's. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's what you like, then fucking stay tuned because we got a lot more of that coming. Well, I was telling Lizzie, you ended not with the song I expected you to end with. You ended with the one that's actually my favorite, which I'm, is that per- perhaps about you guys coming together at all? <laughs> We're very regretful of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the song or coming no. together? No, but if you listen to the words to and one. you and I should, what, what's the, you, toward the end, there's a refrain, you and I should do something together. I'm, I'm um, Blanking, but the, the, the so, solo part. No, the singing it toward the end. It's, it's about not. It's about not having regrets about where you're coming from because you're happy about where you are now, yeah, right? But Edith Piaf, yeah. Edith Piaf stole no no regretteria, so we couldn't have. She no just regrets. cut the no. Off. <laughs> so we just cut the no off it. <laughs> um, you can't you can't steal from Edith, bro. <laughs> She's just the classic. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I would um, never steal from Edith. It just sounds yeah. like I mean, if you no. steal from John, it's like oh, I never stole from John. But Edith, you steal from. Someone, What's like, wrong with stealing from like, French hookers? And by the and by the way, how many young women do you know named Edith? Zero. Like, no, what, at what age more. do you turn Zero. into Edith? There should be more Ediths, Ediths, and Ruths. Ruths, yes. My daughter's going to be named Edith. Ruthie, Ruthala. For you, I like that. Edie. All jokes so aside. Good. Edie. Edie. All, right. All jokes aside. Um, no, it was like, it's a... It, it, regrets are weird, dude. You either, you have them, but you don't have them, and it wouldn't make you who you would be if you didn't do what you did. So it's, it's just that weird dichotomy. That's it, right there. It's like, if you're happy with where you are, how could you have any regrets? Because everything that you've been through is built to where you are mm-hmm. now. Exactly. It's all about progress. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. I feel like there's some level of satisfaction with all of you as musicians with, with the project now. Is this sort of a culmination of where you've been, would you yeah. say? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Like, Lizzie, how, how is this different from the Lizzie Trolley Band? Give us some main examples. Um, well, it's not all on my shoulders, thank God. Uh, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> but I think that, like, what, what interests me in, like, kind of taking a break from that was that just collaborating with other people, writing with other people and kind of having that unity where I, uh, with my other band, I definitely had unity with my band, but at the end of the day it was on my shoulders and there was certain points where it like kind of derailed and I was all alone. Um, but we're like a unit. We're together on this. This is like our journey together, which is cheesy, but really nice. What got you, what drew you toward music at 11 years old to start playing it? Um, my dad, actually, who... This happened in Atlanta, guys. Yeah, um, nice. He taught at Emory. Emory! So, We're very proud of Emory University. <laughs> although so they Ivy League, right? Although parking there is a bitch. You could work on that. Other than that, great university. It's good for tricycles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he taught at Emory, so I spent my summers here with him, and he <clears throat> had been collecting records since he was 14. Uh and our ritual every morning he would get up really early and I was a 
kid, so I got up at like 5 or 6 a.m. And we'd sit in his office and he'd play me records. And then I'd pick a song, what I liked, and, I, and he'd make me a little mixtape. What were some of the artists? Um, this is it's really embarrassing, but I really liked Herman's Hermits. That's nothing wrong with nothing, that. Nothing wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Mrs. In Brown, small doses. got a lovely daughter, was like my jam when I was a kid. But also, like... Got such a lovely daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I know that stuff. I'm not embarrassed. That's a difference. Uh, I just want to No, I'm not embarrassed. Like I'm proud of it. I'm very proud of it. There we go. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like, uh, Chuck Berry, he introduced me to Chuck mm. Berry and that's been like huge for me and like also sad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and true cause rock and roll was about horns mainly before him. Right. Chuck put the he, focus yeah. on guitar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, yeah, happened yeah, to definitely. the brass? I, I love the brass. Brass, love the brass, brass is coming Bring back. back brass brass is coming back. But if you, I mean, you look at Susan Tedeschi and Derek Truck's band. Mm. I mean, there's, mm. there's a lot, a lot of the 70s sound brass is coming back. Yeah. And, yeah. and funk. Well, bring it on. Yeah. Bring back the brass. Bring back the brass. <laughs> and the monkey. Bring back the brass monkey. Oh. Bring back the brass monkey. <laughs> Those get dangerous. It, it is weird, though, that now that I know, I'm familiar, getting more and more familiar with you as such a great songwriter, it, it always confuses me when you become well-known for a cover. Like, you cover that Hop Chip uh, song. Yeah, that was... I love that song and I totally covered it on a whim and then it's called ready for the floor. We'll, ready we'll for the floor, text that. Yeah. We'll tweet out a video. <laughs> There's a really good video. You're doing it out there, but go on. I'm <laughs> yeah. It's a, it feels embarrassing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I became really well known for that song, which I felt kind of weird about until I met those guys and they were so nice and they loved the song. Then it made me feel a little bit better. Cause you don't, obviously you don't want to mess up anybody's song. Um, but it was it was totally a fluke. We recorded it, and I didn't realize that it was actually going to be such a thing. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the best when it happens that way. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to come across and be like, well, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. It just can <laughs> it was totally on purpose plan. It can sometimes <laughs> distract from the fact that someone's yeah. a songwriter. That's yeah. the only thing yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Now, I want to know, Damar, why were you supposed to be... Damar's the drummer of the band, but he was... I'm doing air quotes. Supposed to be a bass player, unquote. Oh, What's that well, all how about? How can you be a bass player with a name Dramar? Damar. Damar. I know. I'm just stretching <laughs> it out for you. Um, actually, my Dramar. dad grew up in uh, Akron, Ohio, which is uh, where the Ohio players are from. Rubber Town. Yeah. So my dad played bass with them for a little bit, and uh, naturally, he wanted me to be a bass player. So for Christmas, I got a bass. Pl- I got a bass, and uh, I was just banging on it, not really strumming it. How old? My, I was like two. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my dad was very persistent about the whole music thing. I get it. And then so my stepmom was like, we should just buy him a drum set. And so I got a drum set. And then from there on, I started playing drums at the age of two. And you do a lot of programming for this band on, on Ableton. Yes, I do. To the uninitiated, can you explain what Ableton is and why <laughs> your programming on that is Ableton key. is very similar to like a Pro Tools type program where we have a lot of things that are just pretty much impossible to play live as a three piece. So we actually build onto the texture of what the sound is that, you know, the audience can actually hear. Now, you had a woman on keyboards. Yes. yes. Emily Green. Emily Green. Yes. Oh, Emily Green. That's a Surprise Me Mr. Davis song. We got to get her that song. <laughs> I see Emily Green. That's oh, a joyous song about Emily Green. I'm sure she knows it.
she was sampling your voice at points. Now, was that live? Was she sampling off of you live? And then that was in Ableton, I believe. But she she sings backup. Mm-hmm. So you're you're programming it, and then she's when she's in the band, she's using your programs. No, actually, I'm programming it, and then she's doubling it. Ah, yeah. And it, so you're programming the Ableton live off of what she's doing live, or did you already have? Her, what she's sung from previous times. I really don't want to give away my secrets. Oh, yes. yep. To be completely honest, it's just a dopey podcast. But you know, <laughs> our ten thousand listeners are up. Come on, <laughs> we'd make it. But work. Now, Ableton though is a very popular software that's used mostly with. I would say mostly with uh, in the EDM scene. I mean, that's uh, a lot True. of the DJs are using that uh, to cut and paste and kind of work through everything and whatnot. But um, but you're, we're starting to see that a lot more in in the live band setting. And and you know, if it works for you for what you're doing, Definitely. then it makes sense. There's also an elephant in the room, Seth. <laughs> These guys have worked with James Eha, and yeah. Mason was the connection. You say the first time you worked with him was in a dingy basement in Brooklyn? How- it was. It was a weird, weird day. It was rad. So we were doing a single for Record Store Day, and uh, kind of just happenstance, like just roll into this dingy basement in in Brooklyn. And, you know, we'd, we'd finish the single. It was a quick, like, in and out kind of job. But, you, like, there's certain producers and certain people you work with, and you can just tell there's that connection. Or just yeah. like, oh, there's something more to this situation. James is that dude, in a nutshell. So super soft-spoken, super, but but eloquent. Like, the way when he said, he'll say three words, but they'll be the right three words. And so um, that's who you want in a producer. You don't want some dude that's just going to sit there and do a whole mm-hmm. bunch of... Okay. Well, how, 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 if I ever worked with James Eha, the first thing I'd ask him, I would say, tell me all of your secrets. <laughs> Let me ask you guys something. So how does, that, how, how does it work, though? I mean, here you, you all come from several different projects and, and you have these influences through producers and whatnot. So when you go to, to create an album, how are you bringing in all those different influences? Are you going with a producer that you've worked with in the past? Like, how, do you, how does that work in your dichotomy here? I think it works to our advantage a lot. I think we're able to choose, like pick and choose the the strengths of everybody. And in that same way, we all have very unique musical tastes. And so we're able to pick and choose the strengths in the musical tastes. Um, so I think I think it gives us a huge advantage. I, think it, I feel like it's like actually like a daily conversation with us always. It's like, oh, well, I like did this thing once and like this is the thing we did or this idea or whatever. And it, like kind of it definitely yeah. helps us. Um, in problem solving and like troubleshooting and then like a bigger picture. It's rad to be in a band of, of everybody's a songwriter, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, cause, cause then you can bring in and you bring in past experiences, you bring in all sorts of stuff to the project that, that wouldn't traditionally be there. So that's, that's been the rad. Even the drummer's a songwriter. Yeah. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we're super fortunate in that sense. But before we get off Eha, Damar, you said at one point, <laughs> Uh, he did things in the studio you've never seen before. Can you give an example of some of the things? Oh, man. Um, actually, that was just a reference. But, I mean, I think, to be completely frank, I was told that he would use certain different sounds or play things in certain ways that would make you rethink how you would want to play it. So it would definitely hold precedence to, like, say you're playing a guitar riff in, like, 4-4. And then he'll play it in a completely different way, in a different like a different time sec- like time signature, and then it'll be like with different emphasis, exactly. And you'd be like, "Fuck, I never thought about it that way." Hmm. You know, if we're talking about secrets, there's a lot of secrets that were you know disclosed in that that private private session that we're gonna <laughs> keep to the grave. 
Well, he and Corgan have made up recently, or at least they've <laughs> been photographed yeah, together. Uh, was, yeah, so uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we're super hyped. Uh, we we give we send them all our best, and uh, yeah, not a single Corgan story though. Oh, I just saw him recently. <laughs> I, was at a, I was sitting down with him and fucking Marilyn Manson, and uh, it was a yeah, it's an interesting like night. A, a joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the bar in L.A. Mar- yeah, Marilyn Manson yeah, no, and Billy Corgan walk into a bar. In L.A. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember what happened after that, but it was, it was interesting. Well, the big song that I referred to that I was <clears> expecting <throat> you to end our set with, actually, real quick before I get to that, regrets at the end of it, Mason, you kind of took over. Was that improv at all? That you no, t- that's kind of the move, man. That's like, that song definitely, you know, it's a slow song, and it definitely has, like, it's fucking emotional. So, like, at the end of emotions, you got to explain. You let it out. Dude. Yeah, yeah. So, that's where he like you know brings it back to the poem. That's where, yeah. So then that was definitely like, and that was one of the first songs that kind of started writing for this project. And so it's definitely like hits home. And that was like, how do I bring in the past, but also stay like kind of do this new current thing? Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely a super personal song. But I, I love the like I love punk and I love performing punk. Like there is there. All right. So in this project, there was this weird this weird period where I was like, there's nobody like circle dancing. There's no mosh pit. Hmm. Am I playing a bad show? <laughs> Wait, there's not, they're not kicking people That's in the face. Just, what is happening? On, on our third show, there was a mosh pit. You there, remember okay. that? Yeah. Oh, see, man. so it just bleeds out. So, um, no, I had to get used to being like, Oh no, they're just going to stand there and listen to the music, but then they're going to really like it. So it's okay. <laughs> and, they're listening. and for the record, I love punk too. I was like very into punk when I was younger. I was a huge fan of the queers. Do you remember that band? I've heard, I remember the name. They're so good. My buddy Mike was in and all this stuff. It's so great. And the exploited and like, I don't know. It was like a little punk. Yeah. So it's definitely hard to get to to like come out of those kind of a show environment and then like re get used to performing because it's such a different style of performing. But I I love what we're doing now. So definitely. So a trip to Joshua Tree. And just driving in general, you guys are into cars. I get the you're into Lincolns, right? I think, that, I think we're into broken down cars. That Cadillacs, car was yeah. A, okay, that was going to be my car yeah. for a little bit. And then, that uh, was supposed to, yeah, yeah, it was supposed to work out a lot better than it did. Yeah, <laughs> that was supposed to be Lindsay's car when she was in L.A. It broke down on the way out there, <laughs> as most music video shoots happen. You know, a lot like it just fell fell apart. I got this whole <laughs> analogy of the musical choice that you made. To start this project, you're getting blindfolded and thrown into water and you have to swim and survive. I mean, is that at all tied into, I mean, this is bold, particularly for you, completely changing genre. It's similar to, to your old band, but it's different. And I mean, don't you feel like you jumped into a musical pool and you're treading for dear well, life? And, and I think the most unique thing about that video is the fact that we're not doing playback because there's nothing yeah. worse than I can like yeah. in a music video to me than someone playing air guitar. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yo, dude, you're not doing it. You're like on a mountaintop somewhere and you're <laughs> right. totally not plugged into yeah, that lamp yeah. and you're totally yeah. not killing it right Check now. Check out my granite yeah. But he's bar. like, he's got the like hair blown back and he's like shredding super hard. No. That's not what happened. That's yeah. not how it was. Making that hooting the blowfish guitarist like, face, you know, when they're playing very simple <laughs> stuff. Like, that O face. <laughs> like they're doing Steve Howe shit. No, that's basic. You so, calm down. So we realized that that wasn't <laughs> how it was done. And we we're like, okay, let's make a video. We don't and have to do that. We don't have to do that. And so, um, yeah, much to the record labels, you know, not happiness. 
we uh, <laughs> we made a video of us not singing in our song because that's what we wanted to do. It's a it. I think visually that represents the song. I think that video is what I want to see when I'm listening to that song. And it's it's about a road trip, man. Like, and it's about going on a journey. And it's not some like journeys aren't straightforward. They're not, and they go in a lot of different directions. That video goes underwater. You know, it, that's, I think, I think that is the coolest thing about that video is that it isn't traditional in the, in the mainstream sense and that it goes on a journey. Now, can you take that song on a journey? Like when Eha sits in, he usually sits in on that song, right? Mm-hmm. Do you expound on it? Do you stretch it anymore? Or is it pretty much, you know, you keep it at a certain length and... We let James decide. <laughs> really? So you guys are nimble enough. <laughs> we just like James good advice, man. We're... Because uh, I just think a synth, bo- a synth pop band that has great songs and also improvises, look out. No, we're like, <laughs> look, look out, out. Look out for the future, man. We've been improvising um, a lot recently. Nice. And like taking, taking all, of the, all the stuff that we've been doing, you kind of get into this like, ru- like routine, mundane, you know, road mindset where you're like, I'm going to do my thing and I go play my chords and I do my thing. We're trying to expand beyond that and kind of trying to take the song. So every, you know, today's show, for example, you try to take things to like to different levels. You try to do different solos. You try to make it a unique experience for every viewer. And sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes it goes beautiful. It's that weird, that weird, awesome thing that you get at a live rock and roll show. And now what about taking it overseas like you're about to? Are you going to dial it back and or are you going to keep keep oh, going with no. you where you're at? Let's We're going to dial for it, it forward. Let's forward. go for I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I definitely my experience of the UK has never been that they dial things back. Yeah. Mm. So um, I well, they are very reserved as individual as, you know, Proper. modern culture would describe them. But I find their music scene there extremely open. And they definitely push boundaries a lot musically, and they care a lot about music. Their, their, hmm. their attention span is a little bit longer than mm. the yeah. average American. I don't know what it's it is. Crazy. Maybe it's in the water over no, there. I'd be curious to know with the uh, ADHD levels, uh, ver- you know, America versus uh, Europe. There. So I just, just think in America sometimes the audience sorry, thinks they're saying? the performers. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Thanks, exactly. exactly. Oh, Thank uh, you. I mean, if you didn't tweet it, did it really happen? Oh. The one thing I... Photos. I don't know. Let me check my MySpace. Oh. <laughs> hey, MySpace is great. Excuse me, Sonny. The only bummer about today's set... First of all, the sound check took longer than I think you guys thought or were expecting. <laughs> yep. You looked frustrated a little bit. Was that... that oh, could, like you, a, could you tell? Rob. Someone's taking a shot at that. It was taking too long. Yeah. Um, that could have been When we like out. put down our instruments and like literally go to talk to the guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough. But no, you I'm have ta- to plug it in here. <laughs> I'm talking about how it was one o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't get your light show, which by the way, even though it was one o'clock, there were t- a lot of people over by that stage, Seth. But uh, th- we didn't get to see your light well, show. It no. a, it's a festival set. Festival set. They're gonna do. I mean, it's not gonna be a heavy show. It's gonna be a light show. Well, when we flew in, so we're we're gearless. We're we're yeah, definitely we strapped down right now. Um, but talk about your light show. How important it is, and to what extent you work with your lighting designer to get specifics. Our lighting designer is Mason with lasers. Yeah, <laughs> I got really into la- lasers. <laughs> and you can do it from the stage. You can. No, I programmed it. Up. It's a mini pack of guitar. Um, Hamilton I pull out, laser. Pull out my lightsaber and, you know, things happen. Um, no, I, I got super... This will go to distance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. so good. Uh, I think light, lighting is, is really cool. And it's like, 
it's it's such a pivotal part of a good show to me. You know, it's so much more. If I'm gonna go see a band and actually take the effort to show up at a show, I want to see a show. Mm-hmm. And so that's the key that it takes a it takes a it takes a it takes the performance into a show. It's not just the music. Mm-hmm. Now it's a show. And now it's a show. Exactly. And and so being able to, and like the cool thing about a concert hall is you can curate it mm-hmm. until it's dark, <clears throat> and you can you can do so much with lights that. That will blow your mind. I was I've been blown away as I've been learning about this whole thing. Well, and you're talking about emotion. So I mean, if you're talking about emotion and you're feeling something, and you could actually right. give the color to it. Now you're you're touching more senses. I mean, the next thing you got to do is to throw scent. How come they're not doing scent? Why like that's gonna be the next. Hey, thing. We just we released a, scent, a scented seven inch. We have you yeah. did yeah. Lavender. lavender scented vinyl. Wow. It's not, it's not yeah. scratch and sniff. So, it's play and sniff. Yeah. Play and sniff. <laughs> hey. If you want to scratch it too, you're so welcome. We're, oh yeah, yeah. we're oh, almost yeah. there. We're yeah. almost there. Yeah. No, but getting back to what you were saying though, the lights can underscore the emotion if you want. If you want to some certain part of the song, you really want. Want to convey a certain way, totally. Mm-hmm. Particularly, when, if there's uh, ambiguity. It can light can cure. When clear for up the that. genre that we play, mm-hmm. like all right. So if you're going to see a Zeppelin show, you want them to be raw rock and roll, like you know, all black. Like come on, give me like the like. I just uh, you yeah. mean a watered down half ass desert trip reunion Zeppelin show? Hey, no, no, with no, a, no. don't you with talk, a guitarist no. who doesn't have tone anymore? Don't what? talk about Zeppelin. <sighs> don't you dare. If if it's rock and roll, if <laughs> I love their studio work. Don't go there. If ever, it's if ever. It, all right. If it's Ever. rock and roll, you want to see a rock and roll show by rock and roll dudes with, yes. with stacks on stage. If it's anything other than that, you know, push the boundaries. Get weird with it. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to... I love lasers. I'm <laughs> really weirdly into it. And, like, you can, you can do things with them that aren't cheesy and aren't EDM. Well, that's what I discovered was, okay, they have a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> they are very associated. No, Fever Ray used lasers, and it was Pink Floyd used lasers. Now Tool, <laughs> yes, he did. They were the first one. In my, <laughs> but Pink Floyd doesn't use it until the encore, like we learned on the show. Tool paces it out, waits till mid to late in the show, eases them in, and then hits him with it's hits selective. You yeah. hard. It's selective lasering. I think Muse also is something It's kind of like that. how you treat lasers when you're yeah. <laughs> but, but backtrack a little bit. So, la- so you're saying that the idea for lasers are yours. You have an LD, yes, or or is this all programmed? No, so no, that- no. This is him. Yeah, this is mine. He has a passion for lasers. So you got to be right on point if it's all programmed. Yeah. They're triggered. Yeah. So yeah. we have it triggered, um, and so yeah, it is. It is um, secrets. Bro. It's all yeah. Secret away all the secrets, man. But it's cute. <laughs> secrets. Um, you can't know. No, but we've we've spent yeah months like. Holing away in, in rooms, dark rooms, trying mm. to make sure that it looks the way that we want it to look. Is that why you're wearing glasses? Are you blind? I am blind. <laughs> no, I'm just super. I'm not going to say that either. <laughs> oh, it's a podcast. Yeah, don't worry. No one listens. Do not hear <laughs> 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 uh, um, But yeah, this is impressive, though. I don't. I don't know any band. We've talked to a lot of bands. Have been in the industry for years. I don't know any of any band that that has the musician actually curating. The lasers or the lights. So, so that's, now, that's okay, now, kind of, now what we're trying to do point. is we're we're going to do projections and lasers, and yeah. it's going to be much more actual. We're going to like censor them, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be much more interactive lasers than just the bro- like. Godzilla comes up and lasers come out of its eyes. Boom. There's there's, there's <laughs> that's the untapped the untapped potential lasers in, in, in the laser eyes. world. It, it can get crazy. Man. So they can that use would, weapons oh, man, too. That would be really. Like, you open your true. mouth and yeah. <laughs> That'd be really cool. What's well, <laughs> a show? That, you know? <laughs> we talked about this like earlier. It's just yeah. like when we have like people come to a show, we play a show. We want people to experience mm-hmm. an actual thing. 
You know what I mean? Like when you go and see, I don't know, whoever band that mm-hmm. you go see, like you could be like, oh yeah, their music was good, but like, was it aesthetically good for your eyes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Along yeah. with the music. So we're trying to tell a story along with our music as well. But now if you're doing that though, that's not going to give you much uh, flexibility to change your show around. So with your audience, how, how is your audience now currently? Are you having people going to see multiple shows or is it, you know, they see the show and... That's... Yeah, we've had some... some uh... We're starting to Not get the stalkers. like repeat yeah. offenders. Yeah. We have multiple repeat, repeat offenders. Yeah. Oh, you better make them robes. We have some oh, shit. Um, yeah, they've been racking up charges. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. Um, we love the repeat offenders. Yeah. If you want to join also, the club, also just like looking out into the audience and all of a sudden they're singing the words to like not just going the distance, but like yeah. a couple of songs. And oh, you're yeah. like, like the song you for sang for the first time two nights ago. Yeah. <laughs> How did they know? It's How did they know? I yeah. sang along with breath. There you oh, go. Yeah. about parking tickets why the hell do you get so many parking there's a secret you can give up have you ever, been to, who, have who? You ever been to los angeles do you not know how to read parking signs what's no, going have on have you ever been to los angeles there's no parking briefly i got the hell out of there as quickly as possible yeah it's <laughs> i'm just being honest it's, it's the only show. way the city can make money dude and so you know hats off to them for fucking over musicians and there's like <laughs> six different signs on the thing that says like, you can park from 10 to 7 you can park from like 10 no to but here's like, here's the other deal is we have an rv <laughs> which is which was a mistake it's a coachman. Any, what do you any got? young band starting out, do not get an RV. Get an RV. Or a bus. <laughs> or a bus. Any of that stuff. It's too much. Sprinters all day. Yes. Anyways, so yes, I, right. I got tired of the sprinter days, and we were like, oh, we're going to be different this time. We'll oh, you a, went backwards. We'll have a kitchen. <laughs> no. That so, fridge never worked. But people in Venice really don't like people oh, no. that live in RVs, because <laughs> there's a lot of them. And so, yeah, we've uh, we've gotten some, you know, a lot of harassment as a result of our parking situation. Do you come out in, like, an accent, like, I'm going to move in just a minute. You're going to give me a minute now. <laughs> they love that in L.A. Um, <laughs> no, I was just trying, I, I got accosted by some crazy skinheads over the RV recently. I was just trying to get out of that situation. Well, if you got the Jewish star off the back, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> star at David Memorial Funeral. <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, oh, I know what you think in L.A., like, I'm not going to get a ticket. I, I parked at the temple. No, they're going to give you a ticket. <laughs> I actually did park it in front of a temple. Did you? Yeah, because I couldn't find parking anywhere, and I had to. I'm from New York. I don't drive that. So often. you know temples. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you can't hail and marry your way out of that one. Nope. No sir. Hey. <laughs> anyway, but I parked it in front of a temple because I thought nobody would. No, we. we I pull, wouldn't get a ticket, and I didn't. And, oh, no, she didn't. Yeah. We pulled the religion okay. card. We put a religious. Yeah, it was we, Saturday. That's why I was like, "It's cool." They it's good. No, it's like part of the. They know I can't leave. Yeah. Oh no, we we put it like a super, you know, Christian bumper sticker on the back of our RV, being like in the mid Midwest, being like they they don't love vibe with this. They're not gonna pull us over. They pulled us over. 
Yeah. But oh, that's where that I learned when I was a kid and then, going through like, Georgia. I lived in Tallahassee. Going through Georgia, I would drive and, you know, to go see a show and whatnot. And I always have my nice white shirt. And I, I mean, a you know, shirt. And I have a little white collar. So they pulled me over, put the collar on, and I go, good, good evening, sir. <laughs> I'm a Bible student. Yeah, then that, that never happened. But well, I, did get pulled o- I did get pulled over once, like though. It was a movie I've seen. And we were in, I was in, like, taking Hebrew for my language in college. And so my, my, the guys we were driving with, they all were on our way to a fish show. And on our way back, rather, it's like four in the morning. And we get pulled over, and they opened up the back of the trunk, and there's like all these like books that are in Hebrew. <laughs> the off- and this is like southern Georgia. It was very confusing for the officer. Can we talk more about the fish show? That says a lot about you. Yeah. Oh, you like fish? <laughs> you like the fish, man? Wait, hold on a second. I'm not the one stoned. Don't end the interview. <laughs> Don't end the interview. Well, you have something in common with fish. When they were a young band, they had a dog named, uh, what was their dog's name? I forget. Trey had a dog with him. You have Brooklyn. <laughs> we have Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. It goes BK, on the road. BK's yeah. our baby. Yeah, um, nice. yeah, you got to have a road dog, man. What They're, kind? So she's a pit mix. She's tough, but she's sweet. So if a club tries to screw you out of money, do you ever stick the pit on them? Brooklyn. Oh, dude, <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn. She's gotten Brooklyn us out of so many situations. Uh, and she's like, like the friendliest dog ever. Brooklyn, roll over. But she gets tough. Don't. She Everybody listening, gnarly. she's tough. She kills squirrels. Uh, I'd love, no, to, I'd love to see Brooklyn at settlement, though. She's, you guys want to see a photo? Yes. Oh, uh, we're getting too. Brooklyn photos. Here, tweet this out. All your viewers, I'm going to get a prep special little... That's my lady. Forward that to Seth. We'll tweet it out. Do that, that do that. That's our lady. Dog photos. She holds it down. Oh, let me see. She's got big eyes. Oh, she's gorgeous. So she's named after Brooklyn Decker, not the city. Ah. And look now, Lizzie. <laughs> Lizzie and Doc are on the phone. Everybody's on their phones now. What? Sorry. We're talking Where about dog ca- photos. <laughs> okay, what about people who don't get out much? Can, can we see you, your performances on, on the internets? Do you ever webcast do any of that kind of stuff? <clears throat> I think you can see a lot of performances. I mean, I never look. From time to time, I do live video from like That's the true. back of the stage, mm. or we have a like a Periscope thing. Uh, kind we of Facebook so. Live. You're not, like you're not on Facebook. Live. I Periscope four songs. Though. Instagram <laughs> Live. Is that, they, I didn't realize Instagram was doing longer yeah, I mean, segments I think, now. No, I think Instagram was the first person to do it, and then Facebook picked it up. I'm not sure who owns it's who or yeah. whatever, yeah. <laughs> but Instagram Live, yeah. Mm. And then also we have, uh, I think it's Sony. They have like people come out and they do a lot of stuff for our like live video and stuff like that during our sets. Mm-hmm. So you can catch a lot. On but come the see us live. Web. Come hang. Yeah. Look, I, it's better in person. Better in person. And we're not assholes, so come vibe with us after the show. I just saw 40 minutes of them. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. He walked away saying it was not enough. <laughs> I, I find myself teams. watching you a lot, Lizzie. I hope you don't yeah. mind that. I have, Did you have a I'm shirt wearing an uh, outfit you can't miss. Yeah, she was wearing all red and it was like vinyl. <laughs> no. that she a- did. He, he when he gets when Rob gets like when he gets really excited about a band, he takes a shirt off and lets Top the girth just. <laughs> Some bands <laughs> really gauge their performance on how naked I get. Ooh. And most of the fans split. <laughs> so we got more dancing room. You gotta get you yeah, naked but, next time. Yeah, next bro. time. Yeah, I know. Even socks. Be like, we failed. His clothes off. are on. All socks. He put a jacket on. No, no, in no, his no. started adding. Clothes. In his defense, he did have the interview to do. So normally he does that like after. Yeah, uh, that's like I was yeah. in serious. Any mode. body paint? Do you dabble in body paint? Um, I'd love to. He likes to paint. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves. He loves painting. <laughs> Mason, draw the logo on his stomach. Oh. There you go. There's your next album cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's done. coming at you. Your logo's like coming uh, at people. It, unfortunately, not for a CD. It has Super to be literally a vinyl face. album. They need, you need a lot of space on that. All right, a couple more obsessions. You want a then obsession or a now obsession? Uh, how about in between? 
No, no you, then or now. Just can you go with me? This okay, fine, then. Uh, Zabriskie Point. I love Zabriskie mm. Point. That's one of my favorite films. Why? Um, okay, first of all, it was Antonioni's first film in the States, and this big studio gave him a big budget. Obviously, they wanted to make it like, we want the magic of your whatever in the States. And he spent all the money on the explosion at the end, which was like a nice fuck you. Kind of like um, Pink Floyd spending all the money on the lasers for comfortably no money. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Zing. Uh, but that's a great Full film. Circle. A great film. And now? Whole Foods, Ooh. which I wish I was more obsessed with. Yeah, uh, you don't have the money. Exactly. It seems expensive. It Thank, seem you must, things must be going well. It doesn't seem Do expensive. not eat ramen at Whole Foods. Oh, really? I made the mistake of getting ramen at Whole Foods one time in Venice, and it was so bad. This is a good heads up. But... I love Whole Foods. Yeah, they have good snacks. Great snacks. Good snacks. All right, well. Well, I'm a trader. You can call me Joe. Same. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you read that? There's, so there's this whole like website about meals you can make from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Like, different. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Anyways, check it out. I love Galore. Uh, their quote, I watched, I've read a lot of stuff about you guys, and Galore grabbed it, I think. Uh-oh. What'd they say? Zipper Club is like... A perfectly mixed cocktail, and frankly, I'm ordering another one. I watched. <laughs> yeah, they said that. That's what's up. I watched 40 minutes of you guys, and then when it ended, it was just like, oh, I, I really wanted 40 more. You're really onto something. It's really mm-hmm. infectious. And coming from a guy who's like rock, jazz, you know, completely Grateful, different, yeah. your music cut through and reached me immediately, even before I saw you, and, and seeing you. You know, made it even better. Now you have at least one new song. Are you working on the next record, or, or do you plan on releasing it the same way, piecemeal? And kind of is that the way to do it now? Since it's not about the album's really to promote the tour these days, right? So yeah. is that the way to kind of? But we're always writing. We're always like, oh, I want to do this now. No, I want to do this now. I want to do this. So like, we do have an album made. It's recorded and done. Um, but we're conti- like we're making new music all the time. Mm-hmm. And I liked what you said, Mason, because this goes back to shaky knees. And these guys play a lot of festivals. From the stage, Mason said, I love this festival. There's a lot of people here playing their instruments. Dude, mm. how refreshing is that? That was, So we looked at the bill. This is this bill, I was hyped. Yeah. More, actually, it's, more hyped yeah. than kind of any other. Because I was like, oh, this is rock, like rock and <laughs> roll. LCD. It's a real With, like, yeah, with band. Though. No, like, okay, so we were just, at, I was at Fender the other day. And they, they said 40% of the bands at Coachella actually played instruments. How 40%. astonishing is that? That's an is that F, true? Bro? You get an F. Well, I also heard that 30% of all statistics aren't true, so and I might be <laughs> And I heard 20% of people who go to Coachella actually pay attention to the music. <laughs> so get back to the L.A. bullshit living thing. Uh, oh, go to Coachella. I, although I should talk. It, big, it, I just learned how to pronounce dip- the festival he 10 did, months ago. He did. There's a big difference of shaky knees and Coachella. It's just yeah. totally different, there totally is, different mindset what? behind it. Here's Here's, here's what I will say. Shaking knees is, a, is people that want to watch music, yeah. and that's where I want to play music. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's super rad. I, I'm in the festival industry. I my company we I manage events and he yeah. herds interns. Uh, I run uh, staffing and volunteer opportunities for music festivals all over the country and herds interns. But my point is, when it comes to shaking knees, you're absolutely right. That's the thing. One of the things about shaking knees is when you look at the audience, these are music fans. These aren't people here because they want to be in a scene. They're not here because they kind of like one band. They're here because not only do they like the bands here, but they want to 
to be exposed to the other true. band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a really pure, good audience. That's so, very um, true. Big, big, big thanks to Tim Sweetwood who curated this festival, and now it's he's grown on to working with C3, and they, you know, this legit. It's no, it's good. been, so it's been really, artists notice that. really refreshing. Yeah. It's been super, and honestly, backstage, everyone's super friendly. Like yeah. Atlanta, you guys are just Everybody's nice. super nice. Everybody's nice. Southern vibes. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. How long, before we leave, Mason, how long were you front man? You were front man of Cerebral Ballsy, right? No, no, I was playing guitar in that band. Oh, who was the front man? My buddy Honor. Sorry, dude. No, that's all good. He's, he's, <laughs> no, I meant him, not you. <laughs> Why? Because he was Sorry to him. What are you doing? But uh, t- come on. Tell us a story. I mean, wait, wait, here. What do you want? What do you want? You want to do you want to Tell do us a punk, hardcore, drug? crazy it's, audience story, please. What's one of the craziest gigs you ever played where people were just out of control, whether good way or bad way? Share us one, please. From a little, a little hippie deadhead. Shock me. I don't know if there. I think there's a lot of, a lot of barfing and butts, there's, right? There's I hear that's a lot of. Yeah, stories. Lissy just summed it up. Dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, in the punk world, b- I mean, barf is a is a lubricant, right? Um, oh. So okay, so I am going to the UK, and I did do an entire photo shoot of us throwing up into Christmas things. <laughs> So we did, yeah, for the enemy, there's an entire, like, cover story of us puking into, like, Santa's hats, and, oh, like, man. so I used to, I used to have to fucking puke on cue. That was, like, our thing. We'd go, it, this is not a cool shtick, everybody listening, it's, don't do this, please, it, it's, I think I've seen this on the Stern show. Yeah, it's not tight, it, it'll just give you acid reflux and fuck you up later in life, but, yeah, that was our shtick, and so we had a whole photo shoot of us puking on Christmas in the UK. You can see the photos. You Not guys, a good story. But. You guys are in a band with this guy. Yeah. Uh, so when's your next <laughs> photo shoot? <laughs> but it's like pa- Pavlonia or whatever the word is, you know, like where now sometimes it's like Christmas comes around. You're just like, well, excuse me. You want to send a Santa's? No, I don't. <laughs> Let's yeah. end with this. This is a podcast. You do not have to censor yourself. I want the honest, full story of how the name Zipper Club came to be. Unbridled, no holds barred. How did you come up with the name? Please. Can I? It's not been told, has it? You're just going to go. This is my answer. Thank you for listening, everybody. It's been a pleasure. We love you guys. Stay tuned for more from Zipper Club. Maybe next time, huh? Atlanta. We'll warm up to you. You'll tell it someday. <laughs> yeah, it's a secret. Stay tuned, motherfucker. Tell me all of your
As Rob says, and there you have it, folks. That was our interview with the Zipper Club. And the interview ended, and we continued going to the rooftop with them. And, and they yeah, were in a nice a, hang, looking, uh, looking over the Phillips Arena part of town, the aquarium part of town, Atlanta. And just, yeah, lot, lots of... Lot, <laughs> Lots of good conversation. I really enjoyed their company, and uh, so then Mason. Looking forward, to, looking forward to seeing them sometime, though. I only got to see a little bit of of the sh- of the shed of the shed of the set at Shaky, but um, I'm really That's intrigued the by the whole lighting. Awesome uh, set. What he's talking about with all the the controlling of the lights uh, that Mason's doing, mm-hmm. and very um, involved, very involved, very hands on. Yeah. So. Uh, what? 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 Where'd you screw up? What? Well, then as, as he was leaving, he gave me his number. And we were going to hang out at the show and maybe try to get some music and deal directly. That's right, folks. And just keep this story in mind that whenever it's business related, just give me your information. All right, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. So I sent him a text. I wrote out the number and I put it in a text and sent a text off and we go inside. And then uh, a little later, I pulled out the phone and the text hadn't gone through and I go to go back to it and it disappears and I don't have the number anymore. Hence why we do not have the exclusive track that we were yeah, supposed I immediately- to have. Texted the guy who was our contact, but he didn't respond. Or you texted him, he didn't respond to you either. No, no, they, they, I got res- I got a response later, and then as we got closer to the episode, it's uh. Well, I was hoping to link up with them. I wanted to hang out with them at the at the fest. We were talking about doing what was that? I think that was LCD night. Well, we gonna- it's debatable that he even gave you his real number at this point. Oh my god, was that his real name or was that his stripper name? <laughs> so yeah, we had the Candle Park Music Festival here. We're just we're just um, we're, as we cut these segments. It has just finished. If you can't tell, we're pretty exhausted. We had a powerful rainy day today. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Only a little brief yeah. rain yesterday. Yeah, just a nice right? cool. Um, about Keller Park, folks. So let me. We last year we did uh, our festy kind of festival episode where we like knocked out like what maybe like six interviews or something. This year we took it easy. We only did two, one a day. Uh, but I want to explain Candler Park to you if you didn't listen last year. So Candler Park Festival is a city festival. It's a festival inside of a neighborhood called Candler, Candler Neighborhood, right? And if you think about it, when you look around, Rob, you yes. see all the folks that are there from yeah. T-Dog, just all of our friends, It is the old guard Atlanta comes out sort of thing. It's a festival made for festival goers who no longer go to festivals because of family obligations or right. other things. It's all these so, people together that don't really get together that much anymore that used to be together all the time here in Atlanta. Like yeah. going back, you know, 10, 15, even 20 years. Yeah. So it's really nice. I mean, I'm, and it's family friendly enough that, I mean... You know, we brought our son, and he had a good time. A friend brought her daughter, and you know, they just they were rocking out and were good. Actually, Daryl and I had some had some running time. Oh yeah, had you some play time. Almost got a heart attack. You were running so much. <laughs> um, but so so yeah, and then the thing also is the music wise, they pick these really good bands. It's one stage. It's you know, it's just one stage. Um, I don't know why they say it's a music and food festival because it's really not a food festival. Food trucks don't mean you can call it a food festival. A food festival is where you're featuring food like you're like like what Zach Brown does. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, though, outside of that, it really is a great the, the lineup they pick is always right on point. Um, this year they had Marcus uh, Kingman, who we got to interview. That was great. That was uh, Lake Street Drive. I finally got to see a few. I had heard them from afar, but I had missed so many times. Just missed them for one reason or another. But finally, I got to see two or three songs, and then we had to go up and do the interview. But that's right. And they boy, had that a, lead singer. She's a presence, man. She's in this all white getup, and uh, she definitely had men and women alike mesmerized. And oh, uh, Friday night was Matis Not a Jew and uh, Railroad you know, Earth. Let's speak candidly about Matis Yahoo. 
Okay, I, I, he's I not didn't homeless. Like him. I didn't. But why does he wear I, a shirt? He has, wears a white shirt with I a know, hole in it. Look. Like why is he, he looks like a homeless person? And I didn't like the beginning, but I'll tell you what, Seth. What? That set picked up steam, and by the and, and I'm sick of covers of No Women No Cry, but they they killed it. And that kid playing the green guitar, man, he got better. He was like really pacing himself yeah. over the course of the set. So by the end, when he was really shredding, it wasn't like like he had been shredding the whole time. So it, it ended strong. But mm-hmm. there was No Women No Cry, and then I think he, it was an original that he did after that that just freaking slammed. So no, way to end strong, modest. But even even that set though there. I and I I enjoy. It's not I, I what it used to be. I mean, I enjoyed the set. I thought that uh, I agree with you. It did progress, and and it. W- I, I I enjoyed it, but the, after the set it was the only time there wasn't that much of an applause, and like the MC is like, guys, he's right here. Can you can you give him a little bit? It was uh it was noticeable. Um, but then uh, I, I want to make an honorable mention to the fact that the motet honorable mention the motet they took this gig. Dave Watts, just hear this out. They took this gig, okay. Um, the night before, they headlined Red Rocks in their hometown. So for them to be able to come, to fly out from Red Rocks like the next morning to come to Atlanta to play a festival set, that takes a lot. And I, you know, I talked to the guys uh, for a second in passing, and and you know that was a that was a big decision for them to make. And they realized how much the Candler Park Festival meant, and they that's why they did that. Because come on, think about it, folks. You're you're headlining Red Rocks in your hometown. I mean, you're really gonna want to like. That's like a tons of friends and family are, are coming to to see you at this big show. You you kind of want to be around for the weekend, not just the night. Well, they're playing in a traveling band, brah. Yes, they are. So, uh, well, we interviewed Tim Carbone, and then uh, Railroad Earth played a wonderful set. Marcus King played a fantastic set. I got to see Marcus in Augusta a couple nights before opening for Humphreys McGee, and it was interesting. At that set, he he like I say in the interview, the trombonist, the the trumpeter trombonist, who I want to call Dizzy Cheeks. Uh, he played more trombone there, and also, so different. Definitely, Marcus. Even though it's a young band, they're definitely given a different look every night, you know. And mm-hmm. then he sat in with Humphreys on uh, "Can't You Hear Me Knock," and that was pretty. He and Jake went toe to toe. Jake Sinegar. Ian took a fantastic shot of him um, at Candler Park. Ian? So. Yes, Ian Ra. Uh, he, uh, the photographer. I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to try to get permission so we can use that for the Marcus one because it's a great shot. And Joe Russo's Almost Dead was fantastic. Nice black-throated win. They, they came out of the gate with a big, like, 20-minute Jack Straw into trucking or something. The thing is, they, they do this thing, the way they, their interpretation of the Grateful Dead um, music is so, it's so fresh. I sure. mean, there's moments where it's like, okay, I like the Disco Biscuits, but there's this energy and this, like, dancey kind of vibe that, that you get from the Disco Biscuits that these guys were getting with Grateful Dead music. Right, and I thought when they were a new band, I thought there, there were too many frenetic tempos during the structure of the songs, and I think they've gotten away from that, and that helps me be drawn in. And the improv, like Tom Hamilton in our episode, I don't know what it is, about 19 somewhere in there, we had Tom Hamilton on, and the thing, I said it before, but the thing that amazes me most about them is that they don't even discuss where they're going to take that stuff out there. And people say, well, it's just like the Grateful Dead. And it's like, mm, no, I love the Grateful Dead. But you kind of knew when the improv was coming most of the time. You know, they do playing in the band and then would open up. They do estimate a profit and then open it up. You didn't know where it was going to go, but you kind of knew where they were going to crack the egg open. Yeah. These guys don't even discuss it. It just, they just look and know and go and then look and know when to go back. And it's just completely off the map playing on, in that level. And that might be part of what keeps it fresh. So I think you're right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really enjoyable. I, 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 I'm a big fan of what they're doing, and, and you know, 
this music that like you how how often do you catch me shutting my eyes and really dancing? Yeah, and I danced pretty hard, pretty old school, and I was moving around to find oh, yeah. the spots. I ran into Mac from uh, Voodoo Visionary, and uh, but the funny thing was that as I was moving around to different spots, there was this one guy I kept running into who kept saying throwing stones. He'd look at me and say throwing stones, and look at other people and say throwing stones. Throw, throw, throw. So then later in the set, they did they did help on the way Slipknot, and then they went into Liz Reed during Slipknot, you know? Yeah, yeah that was, that was that Pretty was sweet. smoothly, and then back out of it and finish a Slipknot and then go right into Throwing Stones in the set. And then suddenly I couldn't find the guy. I'm <laughs> like, ah, oh, where's the guy who was looking for the Throwing Stones? Well, hopefully you gave him a card and, and uh, he's listening to this now and he's going to go back and listen to that set to catch that. I'm glad. Glad. I'm glad you pictured a bright blue ball just spinning, spinning free, dizzy with eternity and got your Throwing Stones at the Candler Park Festival. Well, Rob... Um, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. So we're going to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, Seth Next. is really tired. We're, I, I'm at the undisclosed location. I've been down here. I napped, and then I woke up, and I've been doing research and getting some work done. So I'm all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, actually. I, I, and Seth is just, you poor thing. You've been getting beat up at home there a little bit, Seth? Not uh, not this weekend. Nice. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny because your wife likes to come up to me and whisper your buzzwords into my ear at shows. Oh, God. That's our way of making fun of you, I think, because she knows I'm someone who knows, you know, because you have your little buzzword things. And uh, our next episode, we'll be back with David Barbie <laughs> and John Phillips. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Amy. Uh, David Barbie and John Phillips. David Barbie is a producer also. Oh, so we are going to merge those two. This could be a long episode, people. The one we're on right now? No, you're talking about the next episode. Oh, yes, with featuring David Barbie and John Phillips. So we'll be back next uh, two weeks with that. Because they both have so much to say. Those I was fascinated by. I mean, they may not be big names to, to, to from a mus- musician perspective, you know, for for fans looking for musicians. But I'm telling you, these guys have a lot, a lot to say. David Barbie's worked with the Drive By Truckers. He's worked in the Athens music world forever. He teaches at the University of Georgia runs music the program business. Of the, he runs it right, music business. and then which is an interesting story all in itself. Uh, and John Phillips is a manager. He found of Silverback Management. He found and had the balls to. Back sublime, and we talk about, you know how we talk. We a, talk about everything. That was a risky move. If you know about sublime, you know that it, as good as they were, it was very risky to get behind them. And all that went on, there's a whole a bizarro world around that band, who is one of the ska funk bands of our generation. Yeah. I mean, people people who are really into ska. What do we? What do you call it? ska funk, reggae, West Coast reggae, brah. Yeah, and they're like the kings of it. You know what I mean? They're like um, they're the skinks. They're like the Grateful Dead and slightly stupid would be fish of that genre. And then, then what? Dirty heads be uh, string cheese? <laughs> Where are you going there, dude? Careful, careful. Oh, uh, man. But um, uh, also, this is my uh, last week here. I'm about to hit the road. Um, Firefly oh Festival in the world. Uh, and are we uh, going to cut segments? Electric Forest. Um, so all of the next month, I'll be on the road with my family. So how are we going to cut segments? You got to do the phone thing again? Yeah. <sighs> oh, Rob. Jesus. Such a baby. Yeah, I got to pick up the phone and call you. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back. And, uh, oh, one last comment for you. <gasps> Whatever you do, please wear a shirt. <laughs>